I'm sure we open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll read verses 16 through to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, although our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen? For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we'll probably the title for the Bible teaching for today is taken from that verse 17, the second, third, and fourth word, our light affliction. I guess affliction by the dictionary and um, by what we mean, it means something that causes pain or suffering, a cause of persistent pain or distress, or perhaps you might say a state of pain, distress, or grief. Something that causes mystery, uh, that causes misery, sorry. It can be emotional, it can be bodily pain, and it can be in the form of sickness, loss, calamity, or persecution. As I said, the pain can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be mental, it can even be spiritual. Um, so affliction, in the Bible, it, there's certain, I might call it synonyms in biblical language. For example, the Bible used things like trouble, which is difficulty or problems that causes distress. Um, persecution, which is hostility and ill treatment, especially on the basis of maybe religion, it could be political beliefs, but maybe for our purposes, and, and for the, um, because of um, Christianity or stand for, for the gospel, if you like. And the Bible also uses tribulation, which is to cause um, a cause of great trouble or suffering. So tribulation is more like a notch higher than just trouble. It's something a bit more. And sometimes the Bible might use the word chastening, which is to inflict suffering upon the purposes and upon for the purposes of maybe moral improvement. So you can see various things as the Bible and uses it. Actually, in the Bible, the word affliction on its own appears about 53 times. 47 times in the Old Testament and only six times in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, it uses various of the synonyms. It's used a lot more tribulation, trouble, chastening. It's a lot more used there, which means there will be a lot, lot more than that. And afflictions can be varied in scope. Um, and some are common to, to man, both unsaved and saved. And other afflictions may be specific to Christians only. When we talk about um, common affliction, you know, as we said earlier, as I said earlier, it could include sickness, it could include poverty, it could be oppression um, of the weak, maybe by some strong people, it might be perverted justice, something that causes pain. You might even be a wayward child, for example, that's causing their parents um, pain. It could be a challenge in marriage, maybe there's an abusive relationship somewhere whereby the other party is actually having a lot of pain. It might be misfortune, maybe the loss of a loved one might be causing it. It could be adversity, it could be, um, in a sense, it could be something a bit national. For example, we talk about wars, we talk about invasion, we talk about oppressive regimes. All these 
and it's about affliction. It could be even victimization, someone's victimized, and you feel that pain very, very strongly. In Job chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. I, I guess that gives some kind of idea that um, because we were born and shaken in sin, because of the product of our sinful nature, I think trouble and sin kind of come together. It's part of that package. And as we've often heard, even when we're saved, we might be sanctified and baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, but the fact still remains that our corrupt nature is still there. Our humanity is still there. So we go through affliction. So the saved are not even spared um, from it. Um, it is said, someone said, it is said that trouble is something everybody has that nobody wants. So nobody wants it, but everybody has it. We all have troubles, you know, whatever way you want to put it, no matter man, woman, boy, girl, rich or poor, um, saved or unsaved, we all have troubles. And traditionally, in the traditional view of Hebrew theology, is they look at um, afflictions as a result of um, the divine law of retribution. I mean, oftentimes we hear about where maybe God might use maybe the Philistines or some or another nation to punish the Israelites. They see it's of the tense of a, a, a national nature. It could be maybe famine, it could be whatever, which is because they've committed sin, they're backsliding and is trying to bring them back. Sometimes it could be um, exile and after a while he brings them back. They tend to focus more on that. And that's the reason why there was a little bit of a struggle when Job, because they had that, that was kind of ingrained in them. So when Job suffered his affliction, his three friends, as we often know that, his three friends kept saying he must have committed sin because they kind of limited the scope of affliction to be, okay, you only suffer when you've committed sin. Of course, that's part of it. But the thing about affliction is when we look at the New Testament, the chief form of affliction in the New Testament is due to the fierce antagonism manifested to Christianity. So that kind of opposition, the Bible says that yeah, anyone that will live God in Christ shall suffer persecution. And the bulk of the New Testament tends to focus on that side. Now when we look into our text at verse 17, it says, our light affliction. And I guess our, that first word, I mean, if you like, means everybody. You know, it's obviously we're focusing on the affliction to the righteous, as far as it's concerned. And when it says our, it means no one is exempted. When we say light, that's a bit of a paradox. Affliction by nature is heavy. And we all know that affliction is not something that's palatable. It's something that can be quite um, um, strenuous or else, but it's in light. And then, of course, affliction. So you'll be wondering, what is this? And I guess that's what we are trying to kind of look at in terms, I guess, maybe one way to look at that as some form of illustration is, why would you say something that's heavy is light? And I guess maybe you might be looking at a balance of, of some kind of sort. You might put affliction on one balance. It says um, in that scripture, it was saying it's, you know, the, the balance was, the, the comparison was the weight of glory. So it worketh, you know, a weight of glory, which means we put glory here and put weight here. That means for whatever reason, when that glory thing is actually measured, the light, you know, the affliction comes down this way. And it's saying, in that sense of it, 
peace becomes lighter. So we, we just pray God to help us. I mean, when it comes to affliction, we are in it together. Nobody's exempted. We are all in it, as we'll probably see. And, and I, I guess when we look at um, the women that go through labor pains, for example, you know, you're trying to give birth, and the labor pains, it, it, it's not something easy. The, the pain, the agony they go through, it's not easy. But the moment the baby, bouncing baby, comes forth, I guess in comparison, the joy of that new baby kind of lightens the, the, the travail, the pain they go through. In a sense, we can see that comparison, and that's what... Um, um, it's trying to say here. In Psalm 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I guess my focus here is that many are the afflictions of the righteous. You would expect that someone who's living right, there should be few afflictions. Of course, you know, if you're living right, then everything should be fine. But this Psalm 34 was actually a psalm by David. And this was when David was a fugitive, when he was kind of running away from Saul, and, you know, when for his life. And uh, he actually went to Gath, um, the king um, Gath in, in, in Philistines, and he, he narrowly escaped for his life there. So he went through a lot of kind of um, treacherous situations of which the Lord delivered him from them all. But the, but the point here is many. And when we look at Christians, as I said, there's afflictions which are common to all, be it sickness, be it the loss of loved ones, be it the many prayer requests in, I suppose not just in the prayer on this morning, but in all our churches. We read all the time the many things we look at in the UK, we call it the NHS, in terms of, you know, and they're doing a great job by caring for the sick and the other. It's because trouble comes to all of us. And when you look at that, it's something that can be quite um, um, concerning. So, uh, in, in the case of the Christian, it is, it's, it's a case of, okay, on top of all that common affliction, they said the fact that you now become a Christian, then the antagonism, the, the Bible says, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And when you put that and add that to the common ones, it becomes many, doesn't it? And we can see here, but we thank God for His grace. We thank God for the fact that it can be light when we start seeing how God looks at um, um, these things. So it's about setting and managing expectations. I mean, we really want to kind of see really what is it with respect to afflictions and appreciating what the grace of God in our lives as Christians can do. The, the, the grace of God is powerful, and it can do great things for us, and we believe it will do that. Um, when we look at the case of Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 8, it said, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? You know, the, the, the credentials or the profile of Job here is it, it, fantastic. They said it was perfect in his own generation. You would expect it should be smooth sailing. And for some reason, God allowed Satan. So it doesn't really matter whether the Africans from Satan or from God directly. Satan wouldn't have a go on us unless God allows him. So it doesn't really matter. There's no point focusing on Satan. Our focus it should be on God. And, and God allowed this to happen to, to, to Job. 
and which was, and the main reason was a test of his integrity. You imagine in today's world, sometimes we read the Bible, but it's good to go from the world of the Bible and come to our own world. I kind of imagine what he went through in terms of the possession he had. Just in one day, everything he had materially disappeared. They said about 5,000 sheep, 7,000 so 7, sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 sheep, um, sheep asses, and all his children just bang, they went. As to think that's not easy, he would have thought that, okay, I can lose everything, but at least I've got my health. You might say, okay, at least my health is there, but before you know it, Satan came again, and God allowed him to touch his health. And then that became a little bit of a disaster. And on top of that, what happened again? This same person, your wife, that you felt that that would be your greatest comfort, he said, you know, she couldn't take it. It wasn't easy for her because of her humanity. She said, why would you take this? Curse God and die. You know, why are you taking all that? He just said, why can't you um, curse God? But we thank God for Job who maintained his integrity. The Bible said he shaved his head, he, you know, fell upon his knee and he worshipped. That, that's integrity. And, you know, when, when he came upon him again, he said, naked have I come. Naked will I go. And he just blessed the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. That is integrity. And, and, and we pray that as God allows our futures in our life, may He find integrity in us. It's all about spiritual integrity. We've had great things during this car meeting. I mean, you name it, all the various uh, teachings we've had, you name it consecration, you know, sanctification, you know, Christian home, and lots of them. There were some real nuggets that we got from that, which we felt like, you know, God, you know, more like Jesus we want to be, isn't it? And then we've got all that. God is investing so much in us, he's changing us, transforming us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And then he says, okay, I'm going to test that. You are now a person of integrity, I'm going to test that. What would we do? That's what happened to Job. But um, God, I give Job the grace, will give us grace also. And, and, and one thing about affliction is important for us to uh, appreciate the fact that we, our humanity is there. And Job wrestled with all this all the way through. If we read all, you know, Job all the way to 42 before the last few, maybe chapters or verses, before he kind of gave in, when he was arguing with his friends and all sorts of what happened, we're human. And our humanity comes in. But the important thing is he did not sin. He sinned not. And God gave him grace. He helped him through it. And he came victorious on the other end. And we pray God to help us to be victorious on, on the other end. Although... We might this thing. So sometimes uh, I, I imagine someone like Fanny Crosby, a lot of the great hymns we enjoy today was by, you, you know, the, I'm talking about the old hymns now, and hymns like Rescue the Parishing, um, you know, uh, To God Be the Glory, and Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Many, they, they said she wrote about 9,000 hymns, and this was someone that um, such an intelligent, bright lady, a young girl, six months, she was born and she became blind. But, um, the, 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 what we heard about her is she, 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 she was someone that was so glorious. She, she, said, she said something. She said, oh, oh, how happy I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, contented would I be. She was so contented. God used her mightily because 
Therefore, affliction was light to her because she could see the eternal world, of, the eternal weight of glory at the other scale. And somehow she made the best of it and she came glorious. How we thank God. We've heard testimonies here. We heard testimonies of people who probably have stayed for cancer. They saw the God factor there. Of course, they've been praying. Of course, they've been, you, you know, the, the, the outward man was not easy to take it, but they saw something more glorious. They saw God in it, and God was kind of helping out. And uh, may God really, just really help us as, as Christians. If we look at, um, as I said, you know, when we suffer affliction, our humanity will often say, why me? It, it, that's your natural response. You know, we, we can't. Say, if we're all spiritual now, that both body and soul and everything is spiritual, then you probably wouldn't feel it. You'd just be coasting there. And no, no wonder, you know, sometimes when, when the Bible says we should sorrow with them that sorrow, weep with them that weep, because we are human too. We're spiritual but human. And you can you, you see this, our humanity comes in. But God will give grace. God will help us to do that. In First Peter 4, 12, it, it says, Beloved, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's a strange thing happened to Job. It's strange. Naturally, you feel, God, I've been doing all my best. I've been, you know, it's like someone who... Who's been studying very hard, you know, you deserve to pass your exam, and all of a sudden, misfortune comes, and, you, you know, maybe you failed your exam after saying that. It just doesn't make logical sense. But to God, God understands all things. And we just, and we had, uh, I mean, I can't forget the, the statement was made, maybe Brother, um, I think Brother Bill made it, about, you know, about consecration, about our stubborn wills. Naturally, our wills are stubborn. You know, let's go slay it. It's not easy for us to just submit and say, you know, just, I used to remember a song which says, um, we used to sing in one of our song books in, in the UK, it's uh, more love to thee, O Christ. It, it, there was a verse that says, let sorrow do its work, send grief and pain, sweet are thy messengers, sweet are thy refrain. That, that's not something easy to sing. That's not something that flesh and blood can take. But when we are with God, and um, we believe that um, the, the Bible says in Philippians 2.13 that um, it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Then when we submitted we are, our will to Christ, we are alive in Christ, then have your way. That's what we're saying. And as he does that, he has a way of dealing with us. Not easy, but his grace is sufficient. And when we thank God for the, for the grace of God, that, that would help us. I mean, for Christians, I mean, I guess you, you, will, you will agree with me because the first Peter, that book was written when he said, which is to try you, the strange things is, it wasn't when they started, they hadn't started facing physical persecution, to better say, but they were facing a lot of insult, a lot of slander, a lot of cold-heartedness, the Christians, the early church. There was so much, and he was saying, thinking not strange that, you know, you, you're of God, you, you've been saved, everything's going really well, God in your son, and all of us on him, bang, you know, you're getting all that, what he was saying, thinking not strange, and, and you, you will agree with me that in today's world, um, Christians are being slandered, I think Christianity is not trending, is it? It isn't. 
Uh, Christianity is being increasingly blamed for various problems perceived in society. We are the ones who are being marginalized, if you like, especially when we talk about holiness, Christianity. I'm talking about um, represented among those lines. We're being accused of not being inclusive. You know, when we talk about diversity in the workplace, I mean, I'm not going to go into details of all the kind of this thing. Well, you know, the overarching reason behind the whole thing, it makes sense. But by the time, it begins to contradict the morality in God's word. We know that it's not of God, and we stand for the truth. I thank God, was Brother Darren, who mentioned that um, morality can be subjective. And the world is actually baseline morality. And by the time they argue it out and say what's been immoral, maybe about 20 years ago, it's now moral now, and the Christian is being seen to be the sinner. You know, because the standard is not God's word, but we want to stick to God's word. And God will give us the grace to keep doing that. As Christians, if we are not prepared to suffer for Christ, and as Christ did, we will be surprised when difficult times come. If we're not prepared for that, we may feel betrayed. We may be tempted to run away from the purpose of God has called us for. The purpose for that affliction, we may actually really run away from it. We won't be armed with a Christ-like attitude. You know, we won't have that. That's why we want God to just really help us to, to, to just really be able to hear what he wants us to do. In First Peter 4.1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What he's saying is, you, you know, we, we really want a path in our lives according to Christ. We really want to be more like him. He, he suffered. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was Christ, you know. He, he, he literally, he said he was oppressed and afflicted. He was led as a lamb before the slaughter. Though he lived, you know, a great life, we really enjoyed. But the part of him was he endured affliction. All the way. And if he now allows us to just get bits of that, and we say we don't want to do that, it's not something that um, Christ wants. He said, it's people who do that cease from sin. Effectively, what they're saying is, if we have gone the way of the gospel, the way of that we've been saved to sin no more, then and suffering, when it comes, we embrace it to do that. We, we've pretty much you know, kind of chosen that path of righteousness, that path of, um, of godliness for us to kind of walk in. In John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. We're enjoying peace, isn't it? In our inner man, we enjoy peace. Our inner man, inward man, he's been, you know, strengthened day by day. These wonderful words of life, they're really boosting us, isn't it? They're really putting, so that out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. We're feeling that in our souls. And he said, um, we should um, continue. But then, he said, the outward man will have tribulation. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. We have overcome the world. Our faith, the faith we believe in, that faith that saved us, that faith that sanctified us, that faith that baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire has overcome the world. It is an overcoming faith. It will give us the grace to tower above, to be victorious all the way. And that's what he's saying. In, 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 in Acts 14.22, 
when uh, Paul was planting the church, he, he said, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Yes, look at that. In, 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 in 1 Thessalonians um, um, chapter f- um, 3, verses 3 and 4, so that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we shall suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. And when Paul was admonishing Timothy, who was his um, kind of, uh, he was a mentor to Timothy, spiritual mentor, he said in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, that pers- what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. So we, we can say it's the law of Christians, and, and um, we, we thank God for that. I mean, the Bible says in all things we should give thanks, so that's the reason why we thank God for that. Um, um, in, if we go back to our text, in our main text, in that uh, First Corinthians um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, um, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Look, look at that link there. The link between the afflictions and the eternal weight of glory is worketh, which means it produces, you know, it prepares us for, it brings about something. If we allow the purpose of what God has allowed it for to actually allow it to have its way, its place, it's going to begin to that bank of glory. It's going to actually invest into that bank of glory, and God will be multiplying, and that's why it will, if we were like that, then it would be, you know, the, the scale will be going that way. And, and that's what we want, and that's what God will um, do, do for us by His grace, of course. And we need the grace of God to do that, and we, um, we, we really want that peculiar glory, and um, that, that comes about this often. So basically, it, it's all meaningful. That's nothing when we're going through, when you're going through that kind of misfortune. Perhaps maybe you're being maltreated. Perhaps maybe you're being misused. It's possible. You could be even victimized. You feel that pain. But as long as for righteousness sake, it is meaningful. God has a purpose for it. And as we lean on him, as we pray to him, the Bible says in terms of our response to it, what does it say? He said, um, um, him that is afflicted, let him pray. If any man be afflicted, let him do what? That's in James 5. Let him pray. He said we should pray. When we're afflicted, when we pray, God will, of course, send grace and send us um, help. Um, now, the, the, the thing about affliction, when we look at Christ now, in terms of the glory, if we look at that, that's, if we look at it as a scale, Christ suffered. Look at what the suffering he had before he went, even he went to the cross. Look at the scourging. Look at the beating. Look at everything. If some of us who watch the Passion of Christ, look at the whole thing that was graphically displayed in that. And eventually he was crucified. That was agony all the way through. But the, at the end of it all was the redemptive work. If not, that was a glory side. The redemptive work is why me and you can sing hallelujah. That's why he says, my sins are gone. So when we look at it that way, we can see that's Christ. And look at the case of Stephen, who was not tired. 
you know, Stephen, after he preached that wonderful gospel, and the, 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 the Jews there, you know, fellow Jews were very, very, you know, caught to the throne, they decided to stone him. And then while he was stoned, he said, he could see the glory of God. He could see Christ at the right hand of God. And then, you know, and they decided to, you know, they just wanted to get rid of him. And then at the end of it all, he said, Father, lay this sin, lay that charge not on them. He said, lay not on them. There must be something inside him. That spiritual integrity, he did not fail of it at that point. At that dry moment, he was rather loving his enemies. He was rather praying for them. And that's integrity that we, it's very important that as we take all these things in, we're going to be tried. We're going to be tested. And God uses afflictions sometimes. Of course, afflictions of different reasons. Some is to maybe correct us, that's true. But even the fact that we've got our humanity, we're not perfect, are we? The Bible says it walketh the peaceable fruits of righteousness, which means that sometimes we may feel we're patient enough, but no. I mean, if we really, if we really are self-aware and do a lot of self-assessment, we know we're not there. That's why we always cry, help me, Jesus, isn't it? We're not sinning, but we're not like Christ yet. And in our quest to be like him, we've got to allow him to walk inside us. And he should tell you, he said, he said thou art the... Potter, I am the clay. Make me and mold me after thy will. And whichever tools, whichever means he wants to use, sometimes it brings tears. Yes, it does. But I'm sure it will help us. Yeah, so our response, um, by God's grace, will be to just um, yield to it. In James 5, 7, as I said, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. If is any merry, let him sing psalms. Uh, the, the, the beauty of afflictions is, you, you know, as the inner man is actually being fed and being, you know, you know, renewed, refreshed, then you'll be singing psalms while you're praying. And you, you do both actually at the same time because the inner man is actually being refreshed. If we don't sorrow as the world, they, if it's the world, they have no that balance, isn't it? They haven't got that. If something hard comes on the people, the same thing that comes, they will probably swear some will go crazy, some will, you know, commit suicide, whatever. But we have something greater. We have something greater. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. That is our faith. That is when people see you to withstand that, they will want to know your God. They will want to know our God. And we'll be able to say, our God can help. And that's why, so may, may God help us. In that same Psalm 34, if we look at verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. And this was when David was facing all that problem. He knew that the eyes of the, when he prays, his eyes will be upon him. That's why when he says, delivers us from them all, he will deliver us. He will um, give us, um, he will rescue us. In, in verse 18, he says, the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. So in that prayer, may God give us brokenness. You know, it's not just when we pray to be saying, in doing affliction, we're to be broken. Because it, it's, they're humbling times. They're really humbling times. And as we go there, have that broken and contrite spirit, uh, the, 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 the best he would give us is to refresh our souls. And oftentimes, he will deliver us. And if he doesn't want to, the Paul says that uh, to, for me to live is Christ, isn't it? To die is what? Gain. So whichever way is victory. You know, when I decide to deliver us here, at some time, Paul was actually, he was in that dilemma. Should he stay? Should he go? You know, that 
us victory, really, when we get to that stage where we say, God's got to have your way, Lord. That is a victory. You know, we've armed ourselves in such a way, and God said, well, you have a little bit more work to do. When he decided to go or not, he decided, and um, he, he left it to God, and God is a great God, and which will then do that. In, in, in Hebrews 13, 3, he says, remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them. And then which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. And basically, the, the Hebrew Christians went through a lot of adversity. Again, the same church, they were, they were, they were, they were being looking for a lot of persecution. And at this time, they said, those, you know, those who are going through that, the rest of us who probably are not going through that, we should remember that. And I thank God for this church. I mean, the strength we get from believers it is phenomenal. And oftentimes, I, I like this church because we're a global church. Whether we like it, I like the way my daughter said the minister's meeting. Look, we, 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 we go beyond geographical boundaries now. We're one church family. And then when you just hear someone on the other line that I'm praying for you, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. Of course, the local saints are there. They're always praying for us. They're always strengthen us. But when you hear from there, it could be from India, it could be from US, it could be from whatever. It is strengthening us. We need it because our humanity is there. We, we need to support each other. We are a support network to each other. We, we can't stand on our own. If you look at the early church, it's a community spirit they have that made them go through. If they lived in isolation, they would have collapsed. So community is important. And may God help us to cherish that community. And, and, and I, I am a strong believer. And often, sometimes we might say, now, of course, in our narrow view, okay, maybe you're a local church and maybe no COVID-related incident, etc. Then go, yeah, that's okay. But if maybe in another church, maybe somewhere across the pond, someone has died there, that is our pain too. It's a collective thing. We can't say because they're not, no, no, if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we want to bear one another's burden. We want, that's the church. We want to feel it that way. When we feel it that way, when we get to heaven, we practice what we're going to enjoy there here. If, if we live in silos here, well, are, we, are we going to be there? If we feel, um, you know, um, this, um, you know, I belong to that, belong to that. No, that's not the church of Christ. We want to enjoy each other. We want to appreciate each other. We want to love each other. We want to appreciate and, you know, pray for each other. And, and, God, and God will bless us. And what should be our attitude when, when we go through this? Having your conversation, it, it says, honest among the Gentiles. That, that's in, um, um, that, that's First Peter, I think, 2.12. It, it says, um, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Uh, I mean, oftentimes when people are falsely accusing us, they want us to say, be honest. We don't want to render evil for evil. We don't want to, you know, it, it, it says they're not rendering, this is First Peter 3 now, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, or contrary wise blessing. That's our, that's our attitude. It, we really, spiritual integrity is what's most important. If we miss that, you, you can be delivered from affliction, but if we don't maintain our spiritual integrity, we've lost it. As far as Christ is concerned, we really are. I remember what Brother I think it was in the of sanctification, when he said um, uh, at salvation, the temple is taken care of, and our sanctification is praise the Lord. Do you remember? We, we want to be able to, the Bible says when they slap you on cheek, because that slapping can be affliction. 
He can sort of just make your life for you. To be able to turn the other cheek, it means something inside you hasn't cropped out. It means somehow just praise the Lord. It's praise the Lord. That, that's, that's what we want. That's what we want to be. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be more like Him. And, and God will help us to do that. It, it, it says that um, in, in Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So blessed. When we look at this, on the Sermon on the Mount, when they all sat down there, that blessing means that they have deep spiritual joy and happiness. That means although you're being reviled, you're being, you know, almost, you know, being physically abused. But nevertheless, there's a blessing where we can take it with the Spirit of Christ. So blessed are you. You feel happy within you. You don't, you don't have that kind of responsible. In verse 12, it says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You know, they, they, when you read the Bible sometimes, people kind of feel that's not possible. But with the grace of God that brings salvation, that's what inside us, there's just something you know, that says, yeah, amen. We just feel that God does help us to live that victorious life. We, we really want to be alive in Christ. I mean, I, I, I took a big word when we, when we learned that alive in Christ. Don't you want to go to Gethsemane? They said, when you go to Gethsemane, that's where we conquer our wills. That's what we want to say, God, that my stubborn will take care of it. When it takes care of it, we're, we're on the victory side. Because oftentimes, the, you know, what, what we tend to do is our human response it looks okay. You know, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we think as mere humans, but when we think spiritually, it's not okay. We want to be spiritual beings. We don't want to be mere men. No. The Paul was said something, he said, you walk like mere men. The way, you know, when that happens, the way the mere man will respond is different from the way spiritual man will respond. We want to be spiritual. I mean, God give us the grace to be such. And, you know, it's God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, it, 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 this, this is a, a fantastic gospel, and um, we believe that um, God will help us. We want to appreciate the trials and afflictions we go through. In, in Psalm 19, 17, 71, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. We, we want to learn God's statutes, isn't it? And also, they said, Jesus Christ was in every way tempted as we are, so that he can succor, he can empathize. When you go through, afflictions and deep trials, when someone else goes through you, you know what's called empathy. That is, you know, sympathy is different from empathy. Sympathy is, you, you know, you've lost a loved one, you cry, whatever. But empathy means you can imagine. You can be in their shoes. Because Jesus Christ has gone through sorrow, he's gone through grief in his human form. When we go through it, you can empathize. And even, even as leaders, sometimes even leaders, sometimes we are not above the flock. Sometimes we're not above trials. We're all in it together. And as you go through it, you truly learn how to empathize. Maybe something that you've been a bit harsh, you've been rushed to. When you go through it, God will give you patience. God will bring you down. God will humble you. You will have the right perspective. You will have the godly perspective on this. So let's allow God to do whatever he, like, he wants for us. And may God help us. As, as, as we kind of gravitate um, and, and, um, towards um, the close, I, I remember... Um, in the early church, they called it the third persecution, Ignatius, who was the successor of Peter. Peter used to be the bishop of um, Antioch, who succeeded him. And that was in the time of the martyrs, when we all know that by records that uh, out of the 12 apostles, 
11 of them were martyred, and 11 of them had to die. They, they, they killed them. And then sometimes you may ask, yes, we pray God delivers us. How come they were martyred? How come God allowed them to die? Yes, they prayed. Peter was released from prison. Well, how come that when they prayed, John the Baptist was beheaded? So God's way is different from our ways. Let's just allow him. We pray oftentimes, many of our prayers, God answers, we know it. It delivers us completely, but sometimes he might say, that's what I want. And that's why we often want to say, thy will be done. Uh, yeah, you know, it may bring tears, it may bring whatever. You know, we will just say, thy will be done. And, 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 and so be it when we say that um, and, and to God. So, so they, 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 uh, Antioch, when he was to face um, execution, he said something. He said, now I begin to be a disciple. I care for nothing of visible or invisible things so that I may but win Christ. Let fire and the cross, let the companies of the wild beasts, let breaking of bones and tearing of limbs, let the grinding of the whole body and all the malice of the devil come upon me. Be it so, only may I win Christ. That's all that was there. He was ready. A lot of them smiled as they were, they were, they were praying for their persecutors. You know, I remember Nero, they said, the history says that Nero, he accused, there was something that happened in Rome, they, they accused the Christians. It's the same thing, I think there was some kind of um, pandemic of some sort. The same Christians that went nursing wounds, rather than them praying that, you know, God punish them. No, 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 the love of Christ was constraining them. They were just, they said, contrary to, 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 to hatred is love. We just want to love our enemy, we want to love, that's the spirit of Christ. So that's the reason why those Africans became become light. And eventually, it's not light just because of heaven that we make eventually, but even here, it gives us that. Uh, in, in closing, I remember, you know, I, I lost my son um, last year, as, as, as everyone knew. Some of the things that happened around that, I, I felt was a privilege for me. I remember him calling me and said, Dad, I need you to come to the hospital, come and pray with me. That to, to experience, uh, you know, your son being wonderfully saved. And, and then, then he didn't fear death anymore. Although I remember when they gave us um, a time that, you know, he's going to go. It, we knew there was an end of life that he had to go. He was telling me that he called me and said, I'm worried for my mom. He, was, he didn't even fear death anymore. He felt that he had made his peace with God. He was ready to go to glory land. And I remember his parting words was that, Mom, I love you. We will meet in heaven. That shows the eternal weight of glory. This is a good gospel. I told my son, I said, Samuel, from what I've seen, I am determined to make it. I was the one telling him that I would make it from what I've seen in your life. It, it didn't take long, just a few months, that he said God and he just embraced it. He didn't fear dead anymore. He was more worried. He wrote a wonderful tribute to his mom that it helped to console her. We need each other and God will help us. I, I think we should just fall on Calvary. The altar is open as we sing the closing song and may God bless us.